most of my writings, honestly, Andrew, they just come from a place of, you know, my poetry comes from a place where I feel. So I can do no wrong with my poetry because it comes from visceral feelings that I have and ideas. And I think my writing is a, um, like an add-on projection to that um, with, you know, perspective. Hi, this is Andrew. So, you know, when I'm not here in the Ivory Tower boiler room, sometimes I'm actually invited to be on other podcasts as a guest. Well, there is one podcast run by Christian Garcia and um, his co-host, Nate, that I absolutely love. It is called That Old Gay Classic Cinema. So calling all you classic cinema fans out there and those who love queer theme cinema, which I think there's a lot of you who are listening right now where you've uh, perked up. So follow them on Instagram at that OL Gay Classic Cinema. The first ever episode I was featured as a guest, it's The Sound of Music. I got to talk about being Captain Von Trapp in high school, and it's just such an exciting conversation. They've also featured discussions about Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, which features guests from uh, the podcast The Garland Gab and Down the Yellow Brick Pod. There is a deep dive of Cinderella, and recently they had an episode on the film Giant starring Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, and James Dean. And actually, one of the uh, guests, Lauren Randall, I know from Stony Brook University's PhD English department. So shout out, Lauren. Um, you can listen to That Old Gay Classic Cinema on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's definitely such a great listen. So why not listen to it after you listen to this current episode on the Ivory Tower Boiler Room? Hi, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to this special Saturday artistic conversation. I'm really excited because I haven't been in this space with my guests for about whew, 12 years-ish. And uh, time, we've been connected on social media, um, but I am with the Jared DeStout, also known as Jared DeStuay, if you want to be fancy. Uh, Jared, it is so nice to be in conversation with you. Hi. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate your time. Of course. Well, I was just, before recording, Jared and I were catching up, and I thought it was really interesting because our episode here has come out among so much theater conversations and I've gotten the chance to talk to insiders in theater, those who've taught at Yale right now in a drama program, those who are connected on Broadway. And I feel like a lot of myths have been busted be for me because of these conversations in a good way, which is the networking game, which is where theater is at. It's contacts you know and like I guess I was surprised Broadway's not as cutthroat as people think it is I mean I'm sure there's an aspect of it but it seems like Broadway and those types of opportunities really come from just the contacts you know and the people who trust you and you're going to show up and it reminds me of how we met which was one of my favorite theater experiences ever with the Renee Chambers Lisiaga, who's been on this podcast. Um, oh, yeah, she has. Yeah, she talked. Her. Yeah, shout out to her. Uh, she talked about a Tarzan production she did during the pandemic, which was fascinating. Um, but I always remember when we knew each other in both Smokey Joe's Cafe and Godspell that Renee, with her Broadway touring background, it was always just this energy of we're going to get through it, show up, take the notes, and we don't have time for gossip or drama. And I so appreciate that because that is the professional mindset is leave it at the door and show yeah. up here. Um, but I'm just curious, you were telling me about like where theater is in your life right now. Like, could you explain that to the audience? Because I think it's so meaningful. Yeah, I met. I wrote some things down prior, um, Andrew, and thanks again for letting me share this. Um, I'm basically in the process of copywriting and uh, uh, publishing 
a satirical comedy called Jemima's Monologues. <laughs> like Aunt Jemima, is that the reference? Well, yes. Yes, and there's more to the story. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything on stage since, you know, like, of course, like the vagina monologues I'm taking from that, you know, uh, frame of reference to vagina monologues and for, for colored girls who considered suicide, you know, before seeing the rainbow. I haven't seen a lot of stuff about black girls or black women, you know, and I'm not a black woman. I, I identify my pronouns are he or him. But I wrote down um, today, you know, prior to us meeting, I wrote down some of the focuses that I have been trying to focus on in that play, being a satirical comedy. And it's actually all monologues. It's all monologues, all different shades of Black women, um, one of which I'll be presenting today called 22. Um, she has a certain background, but you'll you'll get to know who she is uh, as we uh, go on. But it's just, it's just a play. Um, a satirical comedy about different Black women. And I think some of the topics that are interesting to talk about and to speak and to bring it into existence for this play is about the struggle of sexism, misogyny, uh, what's the relevance of uh, work-related wages for women, especially women of color. Um, I wrote down uh, their right to give birth, (laughs) abortion rights. I also uh, went into uh, some ideas about cultural reappropriation. Um, what does the culture look like now for young Black women? You know, um, I think a, a big thing about being a Black woman from talking to them, because I talked to, you know, a lot of Black women um, since writing, you know, before writing the play and after. Um, and their every one of their experiences are different, but at the end of the day, they are identified as that, one entity, you know, just being black, you know, and women of color deal with colorism. You know, they deal with whether they're light skin versus dark skin. Some women are judged based upon their skin tone. I also wrote down that uh, depression, mental health is something that's important, you know, to talk about with, you know, women of color. Um, And of course, being a bitch. To me, being a bitch, now this is quoted from me. A bitch is a boldly independent, talented, capable hero. And I kind of got that derivative from, are you familiar with Susan Sarandon, the actress? Oh, the actress, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> she's known for other films, of course. Yeah, but um, yeah, I know that called classic as well. And one thing that I never forgot, Andrew, and I, I've never shared this with you, at least from what I can remember, but she said her weakness was not was uh, being uh, or not being overtly aggressive versus confident assertive. Basically, people looking at being a bitch as being a weakness. Uh, yeah. And she, you know, you know, I, I I can counter I can counter that idea of that being a weakness by you know just showing up as you said you know, in, in any given circumstance and her, you know, circumstance a lot for film, but just showing up, being truthful, knowing, and Scarlett Johansson talked about this too recently in some interviews I watched, just about, you know, knowing um, your worth as an artist, not just as a woman, but as an artist, you know, setting boundaries and setting standards, I think is really important, you know, just for, you know, anyone in general, but especially for women. And um, yeah, it's, just, it's a play that has a lot of humor, you know, dramatics. And actually, when you brought up Jemima, the first monologue is called Jemima. And it, it'll be the way that I p- presenting it and wrote it was a person would be in blackface, you know, a black woman, um, and basically going in about the black woman's lower region. <laughs> a lot of it's similar to the vagina monologue. So a lot of it's about you know, women and their their sense of phallicness and their, you know, uh, their bodies, mm-hmm. you know, so that to me, that was just an important, you know, idea just to bring to light the idea of what, you know, what are black women going through, you know? Well, and um, I'm so, oh, sorry. Well, and I'm so glad you're bringing this out, Jared, because <laughs> like your process as a playwright, poet, um, creative thinker, uh, reminds me of I was listening a lot because of the Oscar season. Mm. There was this really great recap about 
um, when Halle Berry was the first black woman to win <sighs> Best Actress for um, uh, is it Monsters Ball? Monsters Ball. Yeah, okay, uh, and that the black women who've been honored for an Oscar usually it's all stereotypical roles, like they're either a domestic worker or they're psychotic. Uh, they're just they're fitting into these. They're they're not necessarily fleshed out characters or nuanced as much. And um, yeah, I mean, I still I'm so glad you're putting this out into the universe, because for me, for Colored Girls and even the film version is so spectacular. Um, I. It, it's one of the only works that I think had that broad of an impact of showing the complexities of black women with their agency. And I mean, I I can't point to another Hollywood movie that had presented something so uh, poignant. empowering. Yeah, poignant, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, maybe we could say Black Panther, but that's in the, you know, comic universe. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis got the Oscar, God bless her though. <laughs> I know she did. She did. I know. I love Angela Bassett. Well, I love, yeah. yes, I like both. But again, the Oscars are so political. political. Exactly. <laughs> they have to campaign for them yeah. um, and put money into it, which I still don't understand why you need to put money into an award. Um, yeah. It's like a, you know, political uh, election. Uh, yeah. So, but what I think. You know, well, let me ask you, why, Jared, do you think that, like, being a writer, mm -hmm. do you feel that being on the stage prepared you to write, or do you feel it's a different perspective, right? Because you're not in a character. Like, this is why I love what we get to do as artists is sometimes when you're only in the theater on the stage side of it, you don't get that perspective of being distanced as much from the work. Like you have to embody a character. It's not about, it's not about the full production, right? Cause then you're going to get distracted from if you're trying to analyze everything, but like what you're doing, you're literally putting it together. And I think, yeah. Yeah. What's that process like for you? Um, well, doing this, doing this, the monologue that I'm bringing up today, I'm glad you uh, brought that point up, Andrew. Um, I talked to, you know, like I said, I come from a African-American woman. I identify as, a, um, as far as nationality, African-American male with a Creole heritage. Because I had, you know, the style, it's, it's a French, French relation, of course. And um, a lot of family I have in California that I've never met in Louisiana. And I'm like, oh, do I need to go and get my Jerry Beats? Um, because <laughs> for one, I love that, you know, the, I love the Louisian culture or from when I did a show uh, a couple years ago at the Black Box Theater at the Walnut Street Theater, uh, New Orleans, New Orleans. That's the way a lot of them say it. I did a play called Flying West there. So we didn't say New Orleans. We said New Orleans, <laughs> you know, and, um. You know, just coming from that, you know, from that background, that's how I identify. I talked with some, uh, one particular, an artist that I work, work with, you know, um, on stage in a musical. And we talked about just her traveling experience, where she brought that up, I remember, about how she, you know, I asked her, what does it feel like and what does it mean to be a Black woman? And she she immediately talked about, you know, how she, um, you know, encounters certain um circumstances overseas and from my research it, it's mentioned that the Dominican public has a high rate of uh sex trafficking you know and that was something that that was that was something that she brought up sorry Siri said she didn't have the answer for that oh. <laughs> sorry. well I, I, don't I hope Siri my... eventually gets the answer to that I mean yeah right Oof. but yeah right so she um she brought that up, but then she she also brought up the visibility of what it was to be a black woman. Um, I don't know if it was in India, wherever she was, it wasn't in this country. Um, but she said that her presence was definitely felt, and she was looked upon as something that was you know kind of kind of going back to the um the Josephine Baker days 
when they were, you know, really recognizing the beauty of, you know, blackness, you know, and she says she felt that a lot, you know, she felt like she definitely was a standout, you know, and um, in certain areas where she would, you know, visit and um, how, you know, black women were kind of admired, but also, you know, the idea of sex trafficking, the, the monologue in particular today um, called 22 identifies a, you know, a black woman that is actually death. The, the character is death. Oh, wow. But, um, you know, the, the way I created the character and um, she, um, I could go on a description about her, but she, uh, she's a victim of sex, sex trafficking in the monologue that I was going to present today. And, you know, and, and most of my writings, honestly, Andrew, they just come from a place of, you know, my poetry comes from a place where I feel. So I can do no wrong with my poetry because it comes from visceral feelings that I have and ideas. And I think my writing is a, um, like an add-on projection to that um, with, you know, perspective. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? If so, the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. Have you been moved by an LGBT book? film, painting, television show, or other form of media? The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie, or what have you. In addition to the articles published in the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog as well as personal essays on its popular Here's My Story section. This allows people like you to share their own experiences with our readers. To learn more about submitting either to the print or the online edition of the GNLR, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot org and scroll down to the bottom of the page to find a link to their writer's guidelines. If you have any questions, email stephen.hemrick at glreview.org. The GNLR can't wait to see what you have to say. And remember that they're offering an exclusive code with the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. So when you subscribe to the magazine, you'll receive a free copy with any print or digital subscription. So that's seven issues instead of six. Again, just visit the glreview.org and click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR for your free issue. Life experience, you know, listening to other people, actively listening to her. I learned a lot, just, you know, and it gave me, talking to my my, my friend um, and colleague, that gave me... Um, like kind of like a veracity to to create, you know, knowing what her experience was and to to make sure I'm giving respect and turning, you know, kind of turning on the page to that. You know, so I'm looking here at my um stuff that I wrote down as well. Some of my monologues talk about size, you know, image, you know, what's, you know, it's it, it Lizzo, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. in media, what's considered, you know, a beauty standard, you know what I mean? Um and uh yeah, standards to remain heard in a male-dominated world. You know, I think that just that alone is enough to be like, okay, well, we have a face, you know, as Black women. You know, I'm not one, but I come from one. So with that said, I have a connection, you know, and I'm interested in exposing, you know, the maybe the mistakes that I might have, you know, everything that I write might not actually, you know, be completely, completely on, you know, bored for that particular person or, but I think somebody will find something to relate to and definitely the monologues that I wrote. I believe I wrote, um, <laughs> getting old, I, I wrote seven monologues, you know, for this. Um, the, the goal was like seven to 10 and I'm just sharing one today called 22. So I didn't know, was this a good time for me to share 22? No, share it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm just yeah, saying no, definitely share it. Well, and wait, before you share it, I um, yeah. just wanted to, um, you know, say to um everyone who's listening, we've had on Ebony K. Williams on this show, and uh, Ebony is um 
a lawyer. Uh, she was on the Real Housewives of New York, New York, as the first uh, black housewife, and um, she had a book called Bet on Black, Jared, that you might want to read be- or listen to her audiobook because she Bet gets into the idea of the Harlem Renaissance and she owns real estate in Harlem. Like she um, looks up to Josephine Baker as that kind of role model as an artist and um, also talks about colorism and like her own mixed uh, race and how there's been judgments of how she defines blackness. Like she needed to, to define it herself and not let others outside of her own body define it for her. And I think, yeah, there's so much um, that you're saying that I think uh, connects to what you're about to present. So um, yes, please uh, deliver 22 to us. Did I do a character description prior or? Yeah, go for it. I I, I think that's important because I talked about it a little bit. So do, 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 do. Thank you for letting me share and draw room. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Now this is from my uh from my monologue or you know from my play called a Jemima's monologue. It's a character, um is uh the, the monologue is called uh, twenty two. So uh, the character description backstory: she is twenty two. Now name, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, she's twenty two, black and beautiful. She has a stage presence. As soon as you see her, um, engaging, captivating, easy to look at, long hair, dark skinned, well spoken. Spoken, originally from the Dominican Republic of the Congo DRC, which has the highest absolute number of human trafficking women. Over one quarter, 26.3% of all victims of human trafficking in Africa are in the Dominican Republic of the Congo. That's February 22nd, 2022. Um, she is the middle child in a family of five with two sisters, two brothers, and has a good relationship with her parents has a history of violence, has been sex trafficked, uh, not a victim, but annealed. She is deaf, can sign American Sign Language, also a poet. Um, she'll also be reciting, you know, a poem that I wrote uh, called Just Cause. <laughs> I added it in because it it was reflective of her. So she's just 22 for now. You know? <laughs> but this this is her monologue. I'm a reality star inside your head, exploited, not to exploit. Fucked over time by a man's unwanted touch, indiscretion, a digression in between legs of fat and sweat, pumps of phallic gas, he inserted names unknown to a colored coochie snorters, face at a station on fire, burning from a habit. I sign a language from huckleberry trees and flees around your sternum, up your spine, and down by the river of manifestations, smelling of duality and insight. Can't you hear the words coming out of my mouth? I am that high vibration symbolizing mesmerizingly because I said so. I'm the essence of positivity and balance. Fascinating for you to watch and be but careful not to assume my conclusion. Facts are but mere glimpses into a space jam. Truth spoken as I share my poem. Just cause you're my man doesn't mean you own me. Just cause you think your flawless body woos me doesn't mean my heart is swooning. Just cause you're my lover and cover mean I don't think of another. A just cause kind of guy you are. By far a pleasure to my rise. And just because you got my heart doesn't mean you know my heart, for my eyes are defined as I lead you on. Oh yeah, you want to ride my pony? Never a phony as I pull you in deeper. Hush. Hush, hush, Spanish boy, for you look what you don't see. Yes, me, I want you to see, but you just look on. Free I desire to be of this just cause kind of guy. A fulfiller just of that void of loneliness. A receiver, never a reliever of real substance. I want better, Mr. Clever, never a whether or not. I want something real and someone real to fill. That tangible one I will find soon, just because I said so. And that's it. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's so good, Jared. I mean, you gave her the voice. and Like, your background as as an actor really comes through with how you've compiled 
this monologue. Like it's it's you're able to give the flavor. flavor of the character. Exactly. And that's not something playwrights always do. Like they're not always comfortable performing. Like yeah. they need someone to interpret their words right. and revise because it isn't through that acting lens. Like that's where I feel you really have um marinated this together. Mm. So I'm excited. Like how far are you in this process of your well, model? I'm sorry. Thanks um for your for your uh constructive criticism. Um I'm basically all the pieces are written. If I'm looking at my email to be truthful, uh, uh, all the pieces are written, Andrew. So I'm working basically outside of a poor man's copyright, which means you you mail it to yourself. But you know, I'm working on the copywriting part and also the um the publishing. I'm I've been careful not to share, you know, these monologues outside of this, you know, spectrum. Um, I'm looking now. I just want to just make sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm checking something. I'm gonna say Jemima. I'm pretty sure it's. I have two plays. I wrote this and I also wrote. Um, it's <laughs> it's basically I don't know what it is with me and these, you know this LGBT thing, but, um, you know, I definitely, you know, am openly, you know, supportive and, you know, identify as, you know, a, a proud African-American queer male. Um, but, uh, my other play is about, you know, this is the girl version. My, L my other play is about the boy version of the LGBT. So actually each person is representative of the LGBT. So there's actually a lesbian, there's a, uh, a gay person monologue. There's a sexual monologue, and I believe I've added two more acronyms that I created. So uh, it gets deep. <laughs> oh, I like it. Well, and are you a fan of um, the playwright who wrote Moonlight? Wait a minute. Uh, hey, um, Moonlight. Um, I'm gonna. I'll find it. Give me the first. The first. It's name. well. I don't think the place. Todd Moonlight. It's no, Todd. Oh, it's Terrell Alvin McCraney's in Moonlight. Black boys look blue. That was the play. Um, okay. but yeah, I've just I don't know. I'm so obsessed with Moonlight, and that was one of the. It was just such a captivating film. It was one of my favorite films. Um, in like the recent ten years. Uh, but. Well, I'm just so glad you're bringing this work out and I can't wait yeah. for you to like get a workshop and get all of the actors together. I think a um, workshop. that's that's the perfect word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, can we talk about your TikTok too? Please tell everyone how they can follow your TikTok because I find what you're doing there is so groundbreaking oh, as, really? a, as a creator. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you, people can find me. They can look me up on uh Facebook. Let me make sure that I have my right links. My Facebook, because I know my Facebook has always been up there, but my Facebook, you can find me at J um at Jared the Stout, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, -T, um, capital D-E-S-T-O-U-E-T. -E now, as far as my TikTok, um, I have two TikToks, but um the one where you can find a lot of my headshots and whatnot, I'm looking now, it's um at boldly G. Um, 30, the number 31, and it's at boldly G31, everything's lowercase, B-O-L-D-L-Y-G, the number 31. Um, I also have another TikTok, which is on this phone. I don't want to click off, but uh, you can find me on TikTok there. And of course, you can follow, fo follow me on Instagram at Jared J. Stout. Yeah, and we'll have all of that in our show notes for this episode. Um but like what you're doing on TikTok, what I love is you're like so immersive in mm -hmm. why I connect so much with you is how our every day is full of our art. Like just because we're doing this introspective discussion about your process and like my artistic analysis of what you're doing we're coming together in conversation, but I really feel the magic happens in those moments of movement, walking, uh, life. processing life. Exactly. And you capture that in your TikTok. And I think when you're just delivering these poems you've written and you're like speaking it to a, 
a Philly bus or whatever yeah, is yeah. your audience. Mm -hmm. it, it's it, it's just part of your creation. So like, yeah, why is it so important to capture those moments for you to like film it? It's it's important for me, Andrew, because I never identify as a victim, but I have been um, involved in several incidences, even my most immediate at this January, where I was involved. When I say involved, I was involved in a hatred attack. <laughs> That's awful. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, I was involved in a hatred attack in January where a brick, a brick was thrown at me for just being who I am, you know. And this wasn't this wasn't an altercation that was initiated, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, you know, realizing that, thank God that I have resilience from those kind of situations, and to know that, um. God is not giving me more than what I can handle, but damn, it gets tough, <laughs> you know, but, you know, what helps me get through it is, you know, I'm a very big advocate. I've been in the mental health field for over 16 plus years, and I still have this much sanity left, just this much, Andrew. Uh, so it's, you know, it's important. Mental health is very important to me. I talked to my therapist before we, we you know, encountered each other today. Um you know, I've started incorporating, I'm also a professional massage therapist. So the power of touch is really important to me. And I started to also incorporate touch back in my life, um, getting a fabulous, very expensive, but a fabulous massage at One Logan, <laughs> at One Logan uh, Hotel um, two weeks ago. Shout out to Chani. I've already, you know, uh, experienced her. Two weeks I love ago. massage therapy. Oh my I mean, God. my my masseur or masseuse, no masseuse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are just the massage industry and spa industry. Yeah, it's self care. Like to me, that's where you're really connecting. Um, um, the value you're empowering yourself in a way, right? Like when you're getting yep. a massage, it's a like respecting your body, um, right? Respecting that care of the muscles. Like I need to recover and well, thanks. No, thank you for bringing that up. And especially your mental health work is part of who you are. I mean, how you're showing up as an artist, right? We show up with all sides of ourselves, but we don't always just talk about it. And Andrew, I can't be anything else but me. I, you know, I don't. I'm like Marlon Brando. I can read a showbiz phony a mile away. I'd rather just be me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners and true crime friends, you've heard me gush over this incredible woman and her beautiful products. I'm talking about Mandy Made It. Mandy makes customized and original crochet and cre-cut goods. They are the perfect, unique, one-of-a-kind gift for literally anyone in your life. And she makes incredible home decor. I still have my pumpkins that I put out every fall. I just love them. Check her out on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E -E, made it. Or search Mandy Made It on Facebook. To order, just slide into her DMs. And if you mention the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you will receive a free personalized gift with your first order. So, go on Instagram and look up at Mandy Made It. And Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. -E. Again, her handle is at Mandy Made It. Mandy spelled M-A-N-D-E-E -E, and ordered today. Okay, so does everyone know that when I'm not a podcaster, I'm actually writing academic scholarship, teaching in the university, and just doing all my queer male scholarly inquiries and analyses. So I am so excited to be talking about one of my favorite academic publishers, Broadview Press. They are an independent academic publisher. They publish in the humanities. Um, they produce 
high quality, pedagogically useful books for university and college classrooms. But as you'll soon learn, they also publish for literary enthusiasts and literature lovers. So they're always publishing with an eye towards diversity. There's so many titles from female authors, from writers of color. And for example, in the fall, we had on Ann Stevens on our podcast. So listen to that episode where she talked all about literary theory and criticism. And as you'll hear, she explains why literary theory is not, imp not important only to university scholars and to students of literature, but also to those arts and culture lovers out there, which all of you are a part of that community. So she discusses why watching Bridgerton actually requires a certain literary theory. And then we play a Wizard of Oz game where she analyzes the Wizard of Oz from all of these different schools of thought, including psychoanalysis, Marxism, feminist theory, queer theory. So what I love is that Broadview is offering 20% off with the code Ivory Tower. So head on over to their website and you will get 20% off with the code Ivory Tower. And if you haven't listened to our most recent episode with Jeffrey Weinstock, who wrote Pop Culture for Beginners, yes, the first ever university analysis of pop culture, which is really resonating with me since you all know I'm a huge Real Housewives fan, but also he wrote The Mad Scientist Guide to Composition. So I know so many of you out there teach composition or need more writing tips. Jeffrey Weinstock just came on the podcast, listened to our interview with him. And again, 20% off all Broadview Press texts. Use the code Ivory Tower. Head over to their website. The link is in our episode notes. Enjoy your reading. Too much to lie. You know, you get caught up in a lie after a while. So it's just like, I really am very strong on like Stanislavski, the what if principle, and definitely mm -hmm. method. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not into faking it. <laughs> My hair is still growing. <laughs> no, so, no, like, that's where you and I, like I knew... I was in high school. Well, I had just graduated when I, we did Godspell. Maybe graduated. I think I did. But um, how old are we now? <laughs> I mean, now I'm thirty. Uh, but like even back then, I mean, Renee will always say it, but I think you would note too. I was always just analyzing, like observing. I, I like to not insert myself until it's really a calculated decision. Like I've thought through, oh, okay, this is what my character would do on the stage. Deliver. Yeah, I don't, I like to play around with the role if I get a role on stage. And I think I like, I've even told Renee, I'm ready to go back on stage after this PhD. Like I feel it's always part of what I'm doing is the acting. But I feel like now my, approach to a character is really the introspectiveness of their psychology. Like what I'm always interested in their biography, reading about the historical period. I like to do the research just because I'm always researching. And um, yeah, the method is so I, I, I connect to like the actor's studio, what Marilyn Monroe did. I mean, right. You have to have your boundaries with method acting. Um, but yeah, just, I want you to know, Jarrett, what you do on your TikTok, what you're doing in your authenticity of just, I agree, being who you are opens the doors in ways where people connect with you because they see how courageous you are. And I am showing up, yeah, as an openly queer African-American man and this is the kind of work I'm producing and I'm not afraid to show you who I am. Like, yes, you'll have your obstacles, but I always say there's oh. more in your corner. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what I can, when I'm, I'm listening to you, Andrew, you know what I can remember that 
as far as us being on stage together, I can remember like distinctly, vividly remember. Do you remember um, from gospel, all good, all good gifts around us? Yes, yeah, that was my solo. Yes, yes, I, don't, I do. Yeah, I, for some reason, it's just like when I think of God's, well, I think of it in, in you know different facets. But when talking to you and thinking about your level of performance and your ability to, uh, you know, connect and not break the fourth wall and whatnot, um, I can remember you being, you know, your authentic self, and that coming across well. You know, um, even in like the activity when we were all, I remember. The choreography was simple, but we were all we were all basically, you know, holding hands and coming together. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, oh mail, mail. Sorry. You get mail. <laughs> Ooh, what is it? I love oh. it. We're getting a mail delivery on the episode. Oh, oh I like it. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like when crazy happens. Uh it's with my cousin. So um, yeah, now I remember you being authentic and I remember having you know, this is something that I didn't share during Godspell. Mm. Andrew, I was going through so much. I, I think it was life, but I was just going through a lot of spiritual warfare when we did that show. Mm. I was going through a lot of spiritual warfare. And I, I can remember, you know, um, dealing with a lot of, you know, personal, you know, stuff and um, most of all spiritual, spiritual warfare, meaning, you know, going back to the method acting thing with Judas. And I'm like, when have yeah. I betrayed someone before? And what does that feel like? Mm. You know what I mean? So I started to think about that a lot in that character. And, um, you know, Judas I Judas know- is difficult. <laughs> it's a difficult, yeah. well, Godspell's difficult. I will say it's having tough- that, it's tough because I also, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't identify as Christian. Now, I actually um, found like my Jewish roots with my family, like in the past, and I kind of connect more now to Judaism in a way, but just I'm really spiritual Mm -hmm. and I don't talk about this a lot, but like on the podcast, I don't, but it's not a secret. I'm really, I believe in God and I believe in a power of God. I believe in the universal power. I believe in something beyond ourselves that connects the community. Like I'm really into those positive affirmations of what you're doing every day to better who you're around. Like I care about the moment more so than what happens in our death. Like I'm not really interested in the afterlife. I'm interested in now. What's happening? Um, Yeah. What's happening now? Because I feel that's where the change is happening. Like, how can I use, like you, how can you use your talents and your voice to empower? And I think that's where spiritualism, It's there's so many facets. And I think when I was in Godspell, I kept seeing it as, oh, this is um, like all through the Psalms and parables and like this has a Christian doctrine, but really it doesn't. It was my own interpretation. And- right. <laughs> like it really I, is a un it's a spiritualism. Yeah. Yeah. It's a go about yeah. spiritually to treat other people. Exactly. And that's what I love about day by day. Like that's one of my favorites. <laughs> it is. It's it's just that, you know, really every day, um, who are you around? Who are you um connecting to and helping? And that's why right now in our world i just don't know who has time to have bitterness in their hearts to be turning their back against marginalized people it just is so sad to see the hate is really upset of course it's upsetting but um like when i talk to you i have hope of okay there's artists like that's where creative people, we need them. Like, yeah, we need these voices. We need people's humanity to be shown. Like, cause I do, I think there's more, um, there's more love of a power right now than the hate that we're seeing. I think it, it needs to be, um, uh, the empowering act of, 
LGBTQ, especially love and kindness and coming together, um, needs to be on display now more than ever because, um, like a wave, it will crash that hate and those who just are scared. I mean, they're scared. It's, it's fright. It's things they don't know, but ignorance you know, as well. Yeah. Ignorance. Yeah. But that's why I, you know, definitely I'm so glad we're connected back again because everyone who's listening to this, but who doesn't know your work, um, can now listen and follow your TikTok, follow your Instagram, your Facebook, and just see how open you are with dissecting queer expression and yeah, all of these facets. It's <laughs> right. We want authenticity. I do. I think right now in our moment, the authentic is what's empowering everyone is yeah. being authentically good, though I should say. Authentically full of love. Yeah. In an authentic jackass, too. <laughs> well, that's true. That's a, I want to put a caveat that I whatever, mean, yeah, whatever I mean, empowering, are. an empowering philosophy of love, not, <laughs> you know, the other aspect. But yeah, it's been such a pleasure, Jared. I can't wait to just have you back, hopefully, when your workshop's going on. I hope it happens in Philly so I can come and see it. Um, yeah. And I'll be there. I will come from Long Island. Um, well, we'll see where I am with my different career. <laughs> uh, who knows where I'll be? Uh, on the but yeah, this has been wonderful. I'm so glad the audience got to like get a glimpse into your artistic mind. It's why I love this show. I think we all have a process. Artistic people have a process. And it doesn't just magically happen on the page or on the stage. Like oh. it's, it's a journey. And, um, yeah, no, thank you for teaching me. Yeah. 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 Thank you too. Viola Davis. She said, you know, in her Oscar speech for fences, when she won, she was like, thank God. Um, I chose to be an artist because it's the only profession where you live a life. Mm. And that comes with ups and downs and, uh, Oh yeah. Well, and so but I forget what the song lyrics are, but like some days you're uh on top and other days you're just trying to get by. I mean Barlow says the road gets rougher. <laughs> Wait, who sings that, that? The road gets rougher. I know she says like the road gets rougher, so you basically have to get tougher. It's from one of uh, Judy Garland's uh one of her songs. I, I love, love Judy Garland. Oh, I love her. And also, if you've never seen it, when um she's with Lena Horne on her talk show that she oh, had. I that. Oh, yeah. so wonderful. I mean, you know, Lena Horne, thank God she has a theater named after her now on Broadway. Like, I'm so happy. Or who now? I'm not sure. Oh, Lena Horne has a theater named Where? after her. Where? Oh, oh, in New York. Oh, wow. Didn't know yeah. that. I forget Horn. whose name they changed, but yeah, one of the theaters now is the Lena Horn Theater. Um, I only, I'm sorry, Andrew, I only brought up Tyler Perry because I know he named, you know, several, you know, at his studio and, you know, oh, his okay. studio uh, space in um, Atlanta. I know he, he named one after Whoopi Goldberg. So I wasn't okay. sure have named yeah, one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, and representation is so important, right? I mean, like, I just think of that with Lena Horne because people will walk by and they don't know who she is. And now they do. Like, they'll do a search. They'll listen to the music. And um, because there's some people who are detractors of representation. Like, um, it doesn't matter who's getting, who's in that role. But it really, it does. I mean, it matters who's being shown on a wide, especially the film industry, it matters who's on that screen. Um, right. And yeah, I'm so excited for you, Jared. Thank you for joining me and I will be in touch with you soon. Okay. Love you, friend. <laughs> Love you, Jared. And bye to the listeners out there. Happy Saturday when you're listening to this. Yes. <laughs>
<laughs> and yeah, let's just share that community empowerment spirit. Absolutely. I want everyone to take that away from here. Yeah. Okay. Well, bye, Jared. <laughs> take care, Andrew. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Happy St. Patty's. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Happy belated St. Patty's right. to whoever's listening. Right. Welcome to the spring season. This is Andrew from the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Make sure that you always listen to our new episodes on Mondays. Are you following us on social media? No? Oh, you need to. Follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. Hey, true crime friends. This is Mary DePippi, host of True Crime in Academia. Don't forget, episodes come out on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. And you can also follow True Crime and Academia on social media. On Instagram and TikTok, we're at True Crime and Academia. And on Twitter, at TC in Academia. And Mary and I, we need some coffee. We need to keep a pep in our step and we just need that caffeine. So do you we know sound we sound energetic. We're not. We're tired. Yeah, yeah, no, this is all coffee. So the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe is our Patreon, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. $5 a month unlocks so many bonus episodes. So for the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you get Mary and I, our exclusive winter arts and culture hot takes, including what do we think about Prince Harry, Pamela Anderson, where are Oscars predictions right? Why does James Cameron have to make Avatar movies? We want more Titanic. Okay, and also I dissect straight gym bro culture with Dominic Jaynes. Why are people afraid of sodomy? You get all the uncensored conversations on Patreon. That's where our bonus episodes are. And I know, Mary, what do you have on Patreon? Oh, we have a lot right now. I cover cases that I would not cover on the podcast. So if you want to access those, like Andrew said, go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. So you can see episodes from true crime, like the dating game killer, AKA Rodney Alcala, or you can see the live video interviews that we have done. Most recently, I interviewed not one, but two forensic psychologists. And get this, I only released 30 minutes of the actual audio to the podcast. So that means the whole extra 30 minutes is on Patreon just for subscribers. Wait, an extra 30 minutes? An See, extra 30 just for minutes. a cup of coffee, everyone. Okay, well, I also want to shout out our amazing internship team here. So our interns include Andrea, Sarah, Caitlin, Rosie, and Sheila. A round of applause to all of them. We thank you. They keep the ivory tower boiler room literally going. Uh, so Mary and I are so appreciative. Thanks to our audience. And we can't wait to see you back here. Bye, everyone.